Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm your host, Aaron White, and today I have one new release review for you. One updated Blu-ray slash 4K release to discuss, and a special guest joining me to go over our most anticipated films of July through December 2022. So all that and more is coming to you right now here on the show. Let's kick it off with our first review, Thor Love and Thunder, coming to us from Walt Disney Studios and, of course, Marvel. It stars Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Jamie Alexander, Taika Waititi, Russell Crowe, and many more. It is directed by Taika Waititi. It is written by Taika Waititi and Jennifer Caton Robinson. What's it about? Thor embarks on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced. A quest for inner peace. However, his retirement gets interrupted by Gore the God Butcher, a galactic killer who seeks the extinction of all gods. Now, I should tell you up front that I have not been a huge fan of the Thor-specific line of Marvel films. I really enjoyed the first Thor origin movie. I was lackluster on Thor The Dark World and fairly didn't really love Thor Ragnarok. This one had me a little bit excited with its trailers. I thought maybe we were going to get a little further away from the goofy, silly, kind of comedy-focused that we had in YTT's Ragnarok. And alas, that's not really what happened here, so don't have a lot positive to say. What I will tell you that I did like is that Guns N' Roses is featured prominently throughout this film. It's almost like a revival for the band. There are quite a few of their songs that show up, and many of them in action set pieces, which were awesome. It enhanced the action for me in a big way because I love the band. I thought the metal kind of aspect, it wasn't, it's not really metal, but the rock band aspect of it was fitting for the Thor character and the way that he was being displayed to us. And it just, it really, really worked for me having the Guns N' Roses in there. The design of Gore the God Butcher as a character, the idea of this character who is, uh, he's been wronged by his particular God and thus he has embarked on this quest of vengeance to rid the universe of all gods because he doesn't understand why they should exist. They have never done anything good for him or they have allowed bad things to happen to him and therefore why should they be trusted? That concept is incredible. It's very, very deep. It's very heavy, actually, dramatically speaking. And the stakes, I think, that that character brings with him are incredibly high. Bale gives an amazing performance and is incredibly terrifying at times, to be honest. He is so good here. He, he's so, so good. And it, unfortunately, you know, this ties into a big negative for me, and that is that 
with a storyline this interesting, we don't get to see it explored nearly as deep and nearly as heavily as I think we should have. Not only do I think that it is lacking in this singular movie, I think that this is a character and a villain that is so good and has so much potential. And when you have Christian Bale there, like this is a storyline that could have played out over an entire trilogy. You don't just have a guy going around and killing a bunch of random different gods in the Marvel Universe and one single outing of a Thor adventure. It's just not something that makes sense to me. Maybe they bring him back. I don't know. But from what we saw in this one film, it doesn't seem like it's going to be an ongoing threat in the universe. And I am not cool with that personally. I think that's a waste, complete and utter waste of that awesome character. And because of the nature of him, the heaviness of what he is accomplishing and trying to do in the world or the universe of Marvel, I think that this film's tone doesn't work because the movie largely leans into the comedy in its first half. The Guardians of the Galaxy show up, they do their little bit, it's fun, it's cool, whatever, haha, laugh out loud, them and Thor have some jokes. And the first half of the movie kind of really leans into more of the comedy than the second half. Once it gets a little more on the serious side, it tries to make this stuff important and make us feel how heavy the stakes are but it never really gets there the stakes are nowhere close to what they were in Ragnarok it doesn't or it doesn't feel that way and that's a big big problem for me it just is YTT's version of Thor it's just not for me and if you have not liked it previously I cannot imagine you suddenly flipping and liking it now Thor is a punchline He's always a punchline. Yeah, sure. He's no longer Dad Bob Thor, which is thankful, but like he is a god of thunder. He is so powerful. And the Marvel Cinematic Universe has taken him and made him a joke. They just don't give us the Thor that I want to see. He's not the mighty Thor. And it's really a bummer to me because you have all these other characters that are there that can give you your comedic relief that can be your funny guys like the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I mean, you even have side characters that exist that can provide that in this universe that might play off of Thor a little better, you know? Like, Loki was great with Thor because Loki, at least, is it's a more witty and sarcastic kind of comedy. In this movie... Korg and Valkyrie are just there to lob ridiculous, silly jokes. And it's just, it's really quite dumb. And it's hard for me to enjoy because of it. I think that Natalie Portman's character integration here is done fairly well. Jane Foster returns. She's obviously going to be a female version of Thor, how that comes to be and the underlying basis for it. I liked, I thought it was a good reasoning for this to occur. I don't know what happens in the comics because I haven't read them, but it works in the movie the way that they chose. The movie tries to walk this tonal line of being this completely silly and ridiculous 
jokey thing. And then eventually, later in the movie, it wants to make everything super dramatic and have you care and feel strongly about Jane Foster and Thor's relationship. And it's like Thor becomes almost like a weeping crybaby of sorts who is just this emotionally depressed character. And again, this goes back to my problem. I need my Thor to be dominant. He he needs to be a massive, amazing character who is bringing down the thunder, right? And you don't get a lot of that feeling from this, in my opinion. Uh, but it, you know, she plays well. She's good. She does a great or good job in the film, I would say, of acting and of portraying the female Thor. And I wish that their relationship meant more and worked more for me than it does. I think when you have this coming back here after two or three movies, I don't even remember when Thor was made. It's been probably almost a decade now. And all of a sudden you want to kind of throw this back into us in front of us and make us feel something about it. It's a hard thing to sell. They do an, a so-so job of accomplishing that. Some of the CGI is atrocious. I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of character close-up conversations in this movie where I felt like they were intentionally trying to not show us the background. The entire screen is just taken up by two heads with very little in the back. And I I felt very strongly that that was in service of just cost-cutting or something. Like, you just don't want us to see the... You don't want to have CGI backgrounds. There is some CGI that works really well, though. Um, Specifically, some space scenes and th- that look really good, almost like tapestries, visually speaking. And there's a, a place that is, I-, I will only be able to refer to this as kind of like a shadow realm. And it looks amazing to me from a visual standpoint. So it's a mixed bag with regards to visuals for me, as many of the DC Marvel, or sorry, that's not DC, as many of the recent Marvel films have been. I can't remember one that's been just a bang-up perfect job in this new phase. And at some point, we're going to have to stop blaming the pandemic for these things. But for now, I guess maybe we still give them a pass. I do love where the movie ends. It has a coda that left me genuinely interested in where the characters might go next if it's not directed by YTT and if it's taken a little more seriously. I thought that was a positive There's an ongoing bit uh, about the jealousy of Thor for Mjolnir. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And the way that Stormbreaker is feeling about this. (laughs) That's the only way I'm going to describe it to you, but it is hilarious. It's the one like hilarious ongoing thing in the movie for me that routinely had me laughing uh, under my breath or out loud because I thought it was done really well. There are two post credit scenes just for your knowledge. And where is this phase going? Are these movies even connected anymore? I don't know. I I don't see a major direction here, and that's part of my issue. It's impossible not to compare this to the MCU that came before and the Infinity Saga. That was such a well-laid-out and planned run of films and storytelling that integrated perfectly and was using all of these primary characters that people knew and loved already and didn't have to get sold on this i just don't know what happened i've heard that there was a lot left on the cutting floor they got it down to under two hours 
it's a solo Thor adventure that's another joke for the most part. And like I said, it takes one of the coolest villains I've seen in a long time and really interesting villains played by one of the best actors of our generation in incredible fashion and it just wastes him and i it's egregious and for that alone it is hard for me to give any sort of a pass because i feel like there's just so much laziness in this filmmaking and it bothers me <laughs> so that's my feelings on Thor Love and Thunder. It is available in theaters on July the 8th. And as for a recommendation, I'm going to leave this one entirely up to you. Because if you loved Ragnarok, I expect you'll probably have a good time with this. I think that it's going to be more divisive, though, than many of Marvel films have been in the past. Actually, most Marvel films have been divisive recently. So I think it's going to be in line with the divisive nature that we have seen from things like Shang-Chi and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Those two in particular kind of split audiences uh, largely, and I think this one is going to do so more than previous Thor film did. We shall see. I'll be tracking to find out, but Patrick and I will not be covering this on the main show. We had scheduled it and intended to, but in line with our way of thinking and approaching the podcast main episodes starting this year. We really just don't want to sit there and talk about a movie that we didn't enjoy. So we're going to pivot and cover Uncut Gems instead. All right. The other thing I want to talk about today is Edge of Tomorrow's 4K release. Now, Edge of Tomorrow, or Live, Die, Repeat, as it was named when it was released on home video, is a 2014 science fiction film it is based on a light novel called All You Need Is Kill, written in 2009 by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. The screenplay adaptation of the novel was written by Christopher McQuarrie, Jez Butterworth, John Henry Butterworth, and it stars Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. We discussed this film in detail on Minisode 49 of the podcast back in August 2018, so if you'd like to hear our conversation, by all means, Please check it out. It was a very good one. We both really, really love this movie. This new package comes with a digital code for redemption via Movies Anywhere or Vudu. The disc is in HDR10 and Dolby Atmos. The digital version is in HDR10 and Dolby Vision. You get a Blu-ray disc with all of the special features. Unfortunately, the bonus materials here are nothing more than what was included on the original 2014 Blu-ray disc. They include Operation Downfall, which is several little shorts, one of which is all about the adrenaline of the film, the energy. One is focused on the storming the beach sequence and stunts and behind-the-scenes footage and kind of like really hyper-focused on the opening section that gets replayed in the film over and over and over, the main battle. There's another featurette. These are all, by the way, so far, these are like eight minutes, five minutes, two minutes. Uh, Weapons of the Future. This is, as you can imagine, based on the weapons and the design of the different weaponry and suits, etc., Creatures Not of This World is a behind-the-scenes featurette that is 
all about the enemy, the mimics. And then the highlight of the special features is a little making of documentary, I would call it, called On the Edge with Doug Lyman. And this is maybe a video journal about the filmmaker's journey making the film. And you get all sorts of behind the scenes information and tons of cast and crew participation. Some of the highlights are it kicks off with Doug talking about how hard Tom works and how he found himself trying to get on Tom's level just to be able to match his energy and his dedication when he was making a film. This is something that we hear all the time when we learn about Tom making a film is how hard he works. We hear about Doug and how obsessed he was with realism and science fact versus science fiction. And it was tough for him to accept using CGI at all because he wanted the story to be very honestly told. But they actually ended up going with like practical 70 pound exosuits instead of CGI for one part of the film. And he was very proud of being able to do that. Doug Lyman has a tennis court. This is random, but he has a tennis court built on location and he plays there a couple of hours a day. And we see this a few times during this little making of thing where he's playing tennis and it's really hilarious and interesting and eclectic. There is lots and lots and lots of showing and praising Tom Cruise stunts, Tom Cruise work ethic, Tom Cruise's ability to bring the crew together. There are actors who talk about how seeing him work so hard elevated them because they didn't want to let him down. And all of this is just, again, extremely consistent with what we hear about Tom Cruise on the set over and over and over. He cares about making movies. He cares about saving time and doing a great job and putting out a product that every single person is proud of and everyone who watches it will enjoy. There's also a lot in here about the process of collaboration, specifically on the script, and then also some collaboration between Lyman and his second unit director, who was in charge of all of the action pieces and stunt work. And then there's a little bit of information from Doug Lyman about how the movie connects to video games, which I think most of us tend to reference that in our review of this film or when we talk about this movie is how much it feels like a video game because of the respawning nature of it. And he speaks to that briefly. There's also about seven minutes of deleted scenes that you can watch if you're into that. This package is out today, July the 5th, on 4K Ultra HD and digital. I think it looks absolutely amazing in 4K on my big TV, and it sounded incredible. We put the surround sound speakers up behind us, and it was it was phenomenal. So it was a great experience, definitely the best I've ever had watching this movie at home, and I've watched it quite a few times. So I personally highly recommend this new 4K release. For this last segment of the episode, I'm joined by longtime friend of the show and frequent guest, Don Shanahan from Every Movie Has a Lesson and the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Good to be talking with you again, Don. Same here, Aaron. It's nice to talk to you. All right. Before we start to talk about the rest of this year, I thought we could do a quick check-in on where we're at right now in 2022. So I'm going to ask you this. In any order, you don't have to be specific, mm-hmm. though you can if you want. 
What are your five okay. favorite movies of the year so far? Five favorite movies of the year so far. I will go in five to one order because you, you said random, but it's just going to be in order. Um, I'm not going to count a movie that I technically saw that comes out in July that no one else has seen. So I'll I'll shave off one to include. You can another. put the princess Number in there. It's okay. It's okay. It won't be the princess. The be one honest I, I with tell yourself. You what, <laughs> I, I know, right? You know, who doesn't love Joey King? Because uh, I'm a kissing booth stan. Clearly, I, oh, I, I didn't watch all three. You <laughs> oh, know, that's, no, I hate those movies are awful. Um, <laughs> no, no, the movie I unfortunately am going to shave and say that it's second half of 2022 because it doesn't come out everywhere until a week or two here is Marcel and the Shell with Shoes on. That would have landed in my number three slot, but okay, I will shave it off and say July for that. Um, so number five is Marvelous and the Black Hole. Love that little indie with real Perlman and some big feels. Um, I know it made your feeling film pl- uh, an FF Plus episode, which was a nice inclusion. Uh, number four is Top Gun Maverick, which will disappoint everyone that it's not number one. Number Three would be uh, Good Luck to you, Leo Grand. Uh, Love the pieces. Just the, the small isolated show of what that is and Emma Thompson just being a force. Number two is The Northman. Um, I'm not normally a Robert Eggers guy, but damn, that movie just has everything you want as a big screen, uh, uh, epic, large, you know, detailed experience. And I didn't think I'd like it, but man, I, I loved it to pieces. And uh, number one is like every foofy, prim- <laughs> foofy uh, pr- pr- pretentious film critic out there. I love everything everywhere all at once. It's my no doubt slammed up number one so far this year. Great list. Great list. You're, you're kind of throwing me in a bind here because you're forcing my hand. Do I go against you and put this movie in my top five like it already is or do i agree oh. with you and bump it so i uh, listen marcella shell with shoes on would absolutely be in my top five as well uh, it, arguably number three or number four right now for me in the year somewhere in that range so I, i'll knock it off of my list as you did just for the sake of giving a different five <laughs> and with that different five i'm gonna give you the Two that are in the four and five spot, these are not in any specific order, one of which is Emergency. This is a film about a bunch of, well, a couple of kids, a black guy, a couple black guys actually, and they are trying, they're going, they're having a night out, and they end up getting mistaken for all kinds of things as they're trying to take a white girl who they found drunk in their home and get her to safety, to a hospital, and everything goes wrong. There are lots of presumptions that occur, and it is just a really, really smart movie, I thought, and it is my kind of humor. It's not overly stupid funny. It's it's kind of funny in a very satirical way that is biting and will re- really made me think and kind of hurt my soul, honestly, a lot at times. So anyway, Emergency is one. I think you can stream that. On Amazon Prime. Okay, Don's giving me the thumbs up on Amazon Prime. My other one I in that so. four or five range is still, I, I listen, <laughs> it's Marry Me. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell people other than I absolutely love this film. Marry Me for me has stood the test of the year. It's one that has not faded in my appreciation of it and that is something that I put a lot of value and weight on and I love it. I would watch it again in this moment and be thrilled with it. The top three in the number three slot right now, these could change around by the end of the year, is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Patrick and I just did our full episode on it. It's streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. Please, please watch it. We adore it with all of our being. Number two for me is The Batman. And number one is 
nobody's going to be surprised. Top Gun Maverick. I do not see a possibility for anything to really knock it off. I will be very, very shocked. Even the one that you're pointing your little finger at me right now about. I, I know I'm what's in your head. Down in December. It's coming. Yeah, in December, yeah, yeah. it's coming. But I, I, I will be shocked if it beats Top Gun Maverick. So that's I'll our top five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, if it, oh, dude, if it beats Top Gun Maverick, I mean, that means right. it is like on the all time list again. Mm-hmm. With with the other three that I've seen from him. So anyway, but <laughs> not to get too far ahead of ourselves, let's get into this, Don. So we have written down a list of movies kind of combined to go over in July, August, September, October, and November, and December that we have some interest in. We are not going mm-hmm. to go deep on these. We're just going to kind of throw them out there, maybe a brief word or two about why we're excited for these particular movies or why we're not, whatever the case may be. But mainly this is meant to be the movies that we personally are kind of excited for. So we can skip over some if we're not. So I'm going to read through the list that we have kind of written down with dates. And then I'm going to ask you which ones stand out to you. How about that? Does that work? That sounds good. Yeah. All right. So in July, here's some that we have films that are coming out to should be on your radar. We have The Princess coming out on the 1st, The Sea Beast on the 8th, The Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank on the 15th, The Deer King on the 15th, Persuasion on the 15th, The Gray Man on the 15th slash 22nd because it's Netflix and they do this thing. Nope, Mm -hmm. Jordan Peele's next movie is coming out on the 22nd. And then on the 29th, we have DC League of Super Pets, Vengeance, and 13 Lives. So Don, give me some of your highlights from this month that you're excited about. Yeah. Um, highlights there for me are um, both sides of the blade. Um, it's a little independent foreign film that uh, normally I'm, it's not my cup of tea, but uh, we've been you and I have been kicking back for several years just our appreciation for our appreciation for erotic thrillers, and I'd love to see a modern entry in that. And you had me at Juliette Binoche. I mean, that's a fantastic actress. I'd like to see where that goes. Um, the screening the screening link is in hand. I'd watch it tonight if I if I could stay awake. And but uh, we'll see how, where that goes. Another one for me, and I'll kind of play um. PR, um, I'll play PR butt kisser on this one. I was recently, um, got to go to a global trailer launch press conference for 13 Lives with Ron Howard, Joel Edgerton, Colin Farrell, Viggo Mortensen. Got to participate in that. And that was, a. I know you are a big proponent of if you have a documentary, why tell a dramatized story? And that's fair. But, um, I like to see, I mean, I, I know Ron Howard's been slipping a little bit uh, for for some folks, but uh, I I have faith in Ron Howard and and telling a survival story with Ron Howard and what he can do. And I was impressed by the content they gave in that press conference to kind of explain where they knew the rescue was coming from and where they knew uh, this movie was coming from at the same time, borrowing a lot of the same technical advisors and real life figures where I'll I'll sit through that uh, and I'm down for that. And uh, my third one that I'll put on the the kind of the spotlight list is um, as a parent, I'm looking forward to DC League of Super Pets. Uh, that's kind of my cup of tea when it comes to kids' movies. Um, I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. Um, if it's based on any of the Super Pet comics that have, they've been doing over the years, I've met that artist. He's a local here in the in the Chicago area, and he's um he's drawn pictures for my kids. We have them framed upstairs. Where you know, if I was a feeling film connecting point, that would be me. I've met Art Balthazar, who does those books, and anything close to that on a screen page instead of a film page, I, I'm there for. That's awesome. Those are fantastic picks. Uh, I agree with both of those. So I'm not going to say much more on that. I can say that DC League of Super Pets is absolutely a film that Patrick and I plan to cover. Uh, We're both super hyped for that, especially with him being a Superman guy and me being a Batman guy. 
we just get to do it all over again, only with animals this time. So bring it on. A few that I would throw in as well. The Sea Beast, I have seen it. It is on Netflix. I've talked about it on FF Plus already. It's from Disney veteran director Chris Williams. Um, he was a director or co-director of Moana and Big Hero 6 and something else that I'm forgetting at the moment. And he's fantastic. This is his first thing out of that studio on his own, and I think it's a fantastic film. Just really, really great. Um, Pause of Fury, sticking with the animated stuff for me this month. The Legend of Hank. This, to me, it sounds so stupid, and it really looked kind of stupid, but there's something about the voice cast that includes Sam Jackson, Michael Sarah, Mel Brooks whole lot more, I got totally a Kung Fu Panda vibe from this trailer when I saw it. It looks like Kung Fu Panda, only it's about a dog defending a town of cats. And I just, I'm sorry, you got me. I want to see it. It may end up being a joke, right? It may kind of fail, but I'm there for it to find out. Sticking in the anime again, The Deer King is an actual anime film that is coming out. This is a sweeping fantasy epic from director Masashi Ando, who has worked on Spirited Away, Paprika, and Your Name. Those are three huge titles for him to have experience with. This is likely going to be one of the two biggest anime films of the year, and I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Um, I'm also looking forward to Persuasion. It's Dakota Johnson doing Jane Austen. Swoon, sign me up. Henry Golding is in this as well. The Gray Man. I don't know, man. Here's the thing with the gray man, Don. I'm in between on the gray man because I'm not a big cherry guy. I haven't seen the okay. Russos do a great thing outside of the Avengers movies. I, I can't deny that cast, but man. Yeah, so it's got Go- Gosling in it, Ryan Gosling, Chris mm-hmm. Evans, and Anna DeArmas. I mean, that cast is fire, and it's about CIA yeah. agent hunted by assassins across the globe. Now, it is also a Netflix movie, and we have been mm-hmm. burned over and over by these high-budget Netflix movies. And so yeah. we've seen these great premises. Red Notice had a great cast and great premise as well. And it was like the most generic thing I've ever seen. Look like it was shot. You could tell it was shot on a studio set. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going into it reluctant, but I'm still extremely curious. And there's another one. There's a movie called Vengeance. And I actually just discovered the name of this recently. Have you seen the trailer for this by chance, Don? I, have I, I know not, you're not. You know me. I'm not a trailer guy. Well, but I don't I think about it either. that BJ Novak was involved. So Yeah, I, this is one I happen to accidentally see at a theater when I paid for a movie. And it is written by BJ Novak. And it stars him as well as Ashton Kutcher and Issa Rae. And it really had me intrigued. So it's about a journalist and a podcaster. He's a podcaster. He travels from New York City to Texas and ends up getting kind of stuck into this situation about a woman's death, who mm. a woman who he had hooked up with previously. And he essentially ah. decides to try and solve the murder by starting a podcast to tell the story <laughs> and solve right. this mystery. So as a podcaster, I think that's part of it, but it really feels kind of in line with the whole true crime yeah. obsession right now and things like serial, you know, podcasts like that. It's meant is it to played? be a play on that. Uh, What's is that? It, now, with Novak's presence, is it being played as kind of a, a mocking oh, it's definitely comedy, a comedy or is it played straight? Yes. Oh, comedy. Both. Oh, well, then I'm there. Yeah. I mean, it, you've got like, there are some scenes of like honest death and, and big explosions and like, oh my goodness type stuff, but it, it's got an underpinning of like constant sarcastic okay. comedy to it yeah 
So I, I think you would enjoy it for sure. I mean, it's worth it's worth checking. Out. Have it on your radar. Of course. All right. So August, we have Bullet Train and Prey on the 5th, Inuo, and Fall on the 12th, Beast on the 19th. Oh, I missed one. I Love My Dad also on the 5th, and 3,000 Years of Longing on the 31st. Any of those stand out to you? Yeah, I'm not normally a horror guy, but I am a creature feature guy. And as a big Ghost in the Darkness fan, because those lions are down the street at the museum in Chicago, uh, sign me up for um, Beast with Idris Elba and some lions in Africa. Uh, that's That looks like a proper creature feature. We haven't had one in a long time. So, uh, I mean, I guess we've had, what was the uh, alligator one, Crawl, a couple years back. But uh, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm down for that. One on this level, I'll take. So. Uh, crawl a uh, beast is one for me. Pat Oswalt was in town uh, promoting uh, this film he did called "I Love My Dad." It was part of the Chicago Critics Film Festival, and I, I missed it. Um, but I've heard nothing but good things. Um, I love it when comedians can go to raw places and kind of find some poignancy and re- realism amid the humor. And we've seen Jim Gaffigan do it. We've seen Bo Burnham do it. Um, I'm down for a talent like Pat Oswalt to do it. So uh, I'm there for that. And then uh, one more for me is um, Fall. Also kind of a simple single setting kind of claustrophobic thriller where uh, Virginia Gardner from a, a great little indie sci-fi movie called Starfish from a couple years ago. She plays this woman uh, who is uh, stuck on top of a like 2000 foot tall radio antenna kind of thing where I think I, you can tell maybe her and another friend climbed up there on a day or I don't know if she's working on it, but it's the best teaser I, and you know me, I don't watch trailers, but I got talked into this one. Best teaser I've seen in a long time where the stakes and the setup are revealed where they just start on the ground and they just kind of give you this uh, POV shot where you're coming up the tower and you meet this woman at the top dangling. And that's it because it takes 35, 45 seconds to climb up 2000 feet in this antenna. And you see the scene below and the music kind of come up and it like just they had me at concept alone. So I'm sure it could be something as bad as what was that um, stuck on a ski lift movie from a couple of frozen, a different frozen, right? Frozen, yeah, different yeah. frozen, but it was frozen. Yeah, but I, I, I'm sure it could be something as hokey as that, but I, I'll still watch it. Yeah, those those three stand out for me. Yeah, good stuff. Good choices, man. Uh, Fall, I, that was one of the ones that I saw a trailer for as well. And it was the absolute perfect depiction of what a teaser trailer is supposed to be. Like you described it perfectly, and it gave me that claustrophobic and thrill-inducing concept. And the whole time I was watching it, I turned to the person next to me, and I was like, what is this? I don't know what this is. Oh, my God. What is this? Oh, my God. Wait, are we going up? I'm getting a little bit dizzy here. I'm getting height height issues. Like, what is, what? Oh, my God. Why are these people on this thing? And then it just cuts and gives you a title, and you're like, you don't know anything about the situation other than these people are stuck in some crazy, dire you know, predicament that is very unrealistic looking and very curious. And it, it's just, yeah, it may be terrible. I have no idea. But like I'm that was the perfect example of a teaser trailer told me nothing other than the most other than what I could read in a plot synopsis. Right. So, you know, big props to the studio on that one. Beast, like you said, absolutely. There's a shot at the end of that trailer. I didn't watch most of the trailer. I actually tried to cover my eyes, but I uncovered them a little early, just enough to happen to at the very end of the trailer, Idris Elba punches a lion in the face. And I was like, uh, in, in, just in, you know, like. <laughs> I didn't see the trailer. He punches him in the face. He punches a lion in the face. Oh, man. I'm sure, yeah, like, I'm the in. context, you know, it's sure. like a. Half yeah. a second quick shot, but I'm sure that the context is probably different. Like, he's probably getting wrecked yeah. before that. But yeah, he punches a line in the face. Um, I love Dan Trachtenberg with a passion. I just think he's a great filmmaker, even though he hasn't made a lot of stuff. 
He's a gamer, and I love that about him. There's many films that he's been involved with that I wish he would have done, like Portal, uh, full feature. I wish he would have done, at one point he was tied to The Last Man, why The Last Man on Earth is a series or a movie. He was tied to Uncharted, and I prayed that he was going to stick with it, but he didn't. And he is making another movie, finally. It's called Prey, and it is a Predator story that is Predator versus the Native Americans. So my only issue is that it's not going to theaters. It's going straight to Hulu. So I'm a little bit reserved, but I'm excited. And then 3,000 Years of Longing as well for me. You know, I'm not a huge George Miller stan, so it's not appointment viewing for me like it is for you. But the mythic nature that you pointed out and the idea of genies in a bottle and kind of riffing on that Arabian Nights mythology is that's I'm definitely here for that no matter what. So, um, yeah, I love that. Cosign that one. And then Inuo, by the way, is the other anime film that is going to be right there with the Deer King. I think this is Masaki Yuasa's new film. He is known for his vibrant animation. This one is going to be a more classical Japanese story, and based on my love of his previous work, his previous film, in fact, was called Ride Your Wave and was one of my top ten of the year uh, when it came out. So I'm very excited for this one as well. Moving on to September, and as we move on, just a note, these will become shorter and shorter because (laughs) dates are less and less set in stone, and what's going to end up happening is some films are going to kind of jump into some of these slots to be award contenders uh, over time. That's just how this happens. So in September right now, we have Pinocchio on the 8th, Blonde on the 23rd, Don't Worry Darling on the 23rd, and See How They Run on the 30th. Mm-hmm. Don? For me, I'll pick two of these. Also, September is kind of that dumping grounds where things that aren't good enough for summer but aren't good enough for award season either. It's kind of a, a bit of a dead month. But of those, I'll pick on two. I I know a lot of people, kind of like we said earlier with uh, with Ron Howard, I know a lot of people have lost faith in Robert Zemeckis, where he's made just some fair to middling work for a while. But um, what, I'm, I'm ho- holding out hope, and I know it's a Disney reimagining, and those aren't the most popular things in the world, but I- I'll watch him try to do Pinocchio. Um, I know I've been down a little bit on Tom Hanks myself, where I'm not always into the idea of him playing Fred Rogers or playing whatever he's doing in Elvis and riffing in the way he does. But uh, with Zemeckis and his technical ability and with Disney's budget to back him up, I'm willing to give that guy some rope. Um, Few filmmakers are better than him when it comes to digital creativity. And maybe something like Pinocchio with a little bit of a leash to it um, can get some rejuvenation for the guy. So I'll I'll watch I'll watch Pinocchio on the 8th. And I know it's going straight to Disney Plus, so that makes it easy, too. The other one for me is um, see how they run. I'll take a crazy slapsticky uh, murder mystery and you have me at Saoirse Ronan. So by the time you add up another banger cast with Sam Rockwell, David Oyolo, um, Adrian Brody, uh, yeah, I'll take a cute detective premise and, and a period piece kind of thing where those are those are things up my alley. Yeah, I'm going to say this in advance, and this is going to come into play later as well, but I'm not a real high period piece guy. And so that doesn't usually serve as a, an attractor for me, but that cast is freaking fantastic and like you said detective stories are almost always a pull no matter what so i actually hadn't heard about this one until you put it on the list so you're already 
you know, introducing people to it, not just on the podcast, but you introduced the podcaster to this one. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Don't Worry Darling is one for me. Florence Pugh and Olivia Wilde and Gimma Chan. This is actually Olivia Wilde's next directorial film. Basically, this looks a lot like a Stepford Wives situation. They're out in some remote community that is secluded and they're kind of being held there by a creepy Chris Pine. Harry Styles is in this as well. The trailer, I this was one. I literally saw a bunch of these trailers at one movie. Thankfully, it was only one time, and <laughs> and this one had me excited as well. So I, I like this. And then Blonde, you know, it's so now. it's it's Anna de Armas, and mm-hmm. she's playing Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. and it's Andrew Dominique directing, who's responsible for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which is a phenomenal film in my opinion, and. This movie is already famously going to be rated NC-17, and he has said it is going to be raw. It is going to have a graphic rape scene as part of it and more. And Ooh. so some of these things are issues for me, and I think they're going to be a trigger point for a lot of people. I am very curious about it, but yeah, I also don't have a love of Marilyn Monroe, so I don't know that I, I'm going to be drawn to it by that, but I do have a love of Anna yeah. Armas. Yeah, so I this one's kind of, I'm not, I haven't decided, basically, is where yeah. I'm at. With I feel like we're going to watch that one clenched in between our fingers, you know, just like... Yeah, just it's going to be interesting whether back. I even yeah. want to review it or whether I want to just kind of wait on it and see what other people mm-hmm. say and get their opinions. This might be one I do that. I haven't decided. I like We've got a there. couple of months. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little split there. All right, well, moving on to... October, which is where our Oscar films start to tend to show up. Sometimes they show up a little earlier, but October is when they kind of properly come out. We have Devotion on the 14th, White Bird, A Wonder Story on the 14th, Black Adam, Ticket to Paradise, and The Banshees of Any Isherin on the 21st. So what of that list gets you going? Yeah, um, I'll play the Irish card. Um, Martin McDonough, who does In Bruges, uh, Three Bavords outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, you put him back in Ireland and you bring back Colin Farrell, you know, uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, throw in Barry Keegan. And you. I'm intrigued just by the idea of those three actors together in Ireland telling a story from Martin McDonough. I mean, pedigree brings me to that one. Um, I don't. I assume it'll get some festival runs and things like that, but the Banshees of Inishir, and I'm, I'll, I'll watch that. Um, the other one for me, I'll, I'll pick two here, is um, as a school teacher, I must responsibly say that uh, movies with great messages uh, deserve the chances they get to get good audiences. And a couple years back, Wonder was exactly one of those movies that was very fitting for the times, very necessary and, and wonderful to have. So a spinoff of that is the, apparently this movie called White Bird, A Wonder Story. Helen Mirren's in it. And uh, yeah, I will... I'll gladly take another sidebar story that has those kinds of values that more kids need to watch and see. So those are the two for me. Oh, I guess I have to, I'm a romantic comedy guy, so I have to vote for Clooney and Roberts together in Ticket to Paradise. And what is that one about? Are you aware? Um, I think they are ex, they're exes that, uh, who are, I think, on the road to one of their children's weddings of some sort. I I know the trailer just released. I haven't read most of it yet. You know me staying away, but uh um, I'm trying to remember who I think it's Buck Henry is the director of that. Like or somebody not super big, but the idea of Roberts and Clooney back together after Ocean's Eleven and those series just and at this at this advanced age at each other's throats, I'll take that. 
Yeah, no doubt. I am intrigued by that one. I didn't really know much about that. I didn't, I'd never heard of the Banshees of Inisharan. I'm not really a huge fan of Martin McDonough. So probably not something I'm going to be excited for. I saw a trailer for White Bird, a wonder story that was in this one long, you know, there, there's like 25 minutes of trailers when you go to a movie out in the <laughs> wild, Don, <laughs> not, not, i.e. not at a screener where we don't have to deal with them. Uh, and this one is the first time I'd ever heard of this. And so I love wonder like you. I love the book before the movie. I loved the adaptation and I love the director. I was questioning why this existed. And I was like, what is going on? You, I'm assuming you haven't seen a trailer for it. I have okay. not. So I don't won't tell you what it's about. I will just it, it is it's interesting. The way it it's a flashback in time is what I will tell you. Okay. It, it is not directly following the character that we know and love. It is 100% a side story in every way, but with a message that is parallel or you know is of the same ilk as what wonder is trying to teach and and so for that purpose i do think that you're gonna resonate with i think i'll resonate with it to some extent just for that reason but it didn't blow me away by any means but the one that did blow me away in october that i learned about recently it's called devotion and this is a movie starring jonathan majors and glenn powell and glenn powell from Top Gun Maverick, and he is back in the fighter's plane seat again. And these two men were war heroes in the Korean War, Navy fighter pilots. Uh, and uh, Navy fighter? I think they were Navy fighter. Yeah, I think it's Navy as well, actually. And so uh, it's another dogfighting movie that's going to have a lot of aerial combat, and it's this story of heroism, uh, and they are you know, two of the most decorated wingmen in the history of flying and so and it's a historical story instead of a fictional one and i'm 100 down for this and excited about it you have got my whistle wetted with top gun maverick and all of that awesome aerial action on the screen so if you want to give me more of that and glenn powell back in the flyboy seat like i, I can't get enough of that don and glenn powell has won me over i am a huge fan now and Same. i'm excited for you know whatever he does next no, uh, that, I this. love the guy since everybody wants some. He's just mm, he's yeah. electric in that movie where like I think I said in my Top Gun review, like strap a rocket on that guy's back and make him a star. He deserves it. So that's a great way to describe it. I love that. I love your use of language. The other one is Black Adam that I mentioned. It's coming out the 21st. And I mean, it's a movie. It stars it's, The Rock it's and it's yeah. a superhero in the DC universe. And I'm going to see it and I'm going to hope it's good. But at this point, pretty much all superhero movies are. That's how my reaction is gonna be. Yeah, and I'm like see this it, is making and, a yeah. villain into a antihero. Do we need that? I I don't know. I'd rather have him yeah. beat the shit out of Henry Cavill. So you know. Yeah, absolutely. I I hope, man, one day mm. we'll see. But yeah, I I don't know. Not super excited for that either. Same. All right, November we have Amsterdam on the fourth, and we have Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. On the 11th. Bet you didn't know that movie was coming out this year. Uh, we have Creed the Third and Creed Three. Sorry. <laughs> the Fablemans and Strange World all on the 23rd. Uh, what do you think about November? Um, For me, now we're starting to get to Oscar season. And when you have Oscar season and you have David O. Russell, I, everything that guy touches, other than the, the minor misstep of joy, I mean, 
he that guy attracts a fantastic cast every time. The Academy loves that guy. Where I don't even know what the movie's about. Maybe it's about the city in Netherlands. I'm not sure. It could be about it could be about chess. And well, the chess is great. Look at the Queen's Gambit. But um, seriously, that could be about Lint, and I would watch it because David O. Russell in that cast. So he's got Anya Taylor Joy, uh, Margot Robbie, Christian Bale, Robert De Niro, Zoe Saldana, Rami Malek, Michael Shannon. Um, I forget whose initials are JDW in our abbreviations. Uh, Taylor Swift, Chris Rock, Mike Myers, and uh, I don't forget who D-O-R. Oh, David Russell. Um, he just knows his way around lavish ensembles and the way to get the best out of them. So, John David Washington, maybe? That is who it is. You're right, John okay. David Washington. So yeah. stack all that Man, what up. What a cast. I, I, Holy crap. That, that's huge. <laughs> huge. Yeah. So that, I, I just feel like that's appointment viewing for uh, us in terms of our profession and awards voting uh, nature where, where you and I cover that stuff like Hawks. So got to see that. Um, that little indie movie called Black, Pan- Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I, I'll see it. You know, I, I hear good things. You know, Let, let's recast the shot. But uh, we'll, we'll support our man E-Man on that one. But uh, no, um, for me, that's an automatic, uh, automatic must-see kind of thing. And uh, Creed 3, you know, um, we, you and I are both big fans of both Creed movies where you, I got to see where that's going to go. So, of course. Definitely. I think my attention for this month goes the most to Creed 3. Which had, I mean, I love the first two films and I'm really excited again with Jonathan Majors. This could be a serious season for him here. He's coming in opposite of Michael B. Jordan. Why am I? Oh, man, I was about to space on a name there. That was about to be embarrassing. And uh, and so, yeah, hopefully this wraps everything up and kind of puts a bow on this version of the Rocky story. Maybe this puts a bow on the whole thing, actually. And I just I hope it I hope it nails it, man. I really, really want it to stick the landing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Strange World on the 23rd has me very excited. I, I love my animated films. This is Disney's next, and we are going back in an original way, and I love that. It's an action adventure journey deep into uncharted and treacherous lands where fantastical creatures await. A remarkable family called the Clades, who are a bunch of explorers. This is going to have the voice talent of Jake Gyllenhaal and Alan Tudyk, among others, and it looks really colorful and bright and just super exciting. This is my kind of story. I love treasure hunting and exploration stories and then kind of this B-movie sci-fi land forgotten Mm -hmm. by time or journey to the center of the earth type of concept, and that seems to be what we're going to get here, so I'm all in on that. And, you know, it's funny, I forgot Black Panther Wakanda forever was happening until I saw a poster for it in the movie theater this past week. And I posted something on E-Man's page this week about that and how I was like, wow, this movie's actually happening this year in like four and a half months and it has had zero press, zero promotion so far. You know what I'm going to say. Does it need it? I think it does because I people don't realize what's um, I I really do I think it does and I okay I th- I think Disney is or Marvel is you know they're buying their time and part of this is the problem where they have so much coming out that they have to slow down their machine to right. make sure they're doing the next show or the next movie and they've they've got to kind of bide their time so I expect the promotion wheel to fire up here soon after Thor and. Mm-hmm. We'll see how they try to sell this. You know, we don't even know what's yeah. happening with T'Challa yet. I saw E-Man I stuff where Namor is in play. I'm down with yeah, that. Yeah, Namor is go... apparently going to be mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. 
But um, I don't know. But I I'm, think it's Disney. I'm, I assume it's Disney with with very gentle gloves just going. I think they're still very, very cognizant and aware of the casting issue they have of what do you do without Chadwick Boseman? And I don't know how to sell that. I don't know how to present that. If I was the Disney marketing team, I'd be a little lost too. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we're going to see it regardless and, and be very oh, yeah. hopeful. But I think I'm also setting my expectations accordingly without Chadwick Boseman. Um, and we'll Same. see how that goes. All right. Last but not least, we come to December. We have Avatar, The Way of Water on the 16th. We have I Want to Dance with Somebody and Shazam Fury of the Gods on the 21st. And we have Babylon on the 25th. Anything stick out to you? The one that sticks out to me is the one you didn't read. I'm a Puss in Boots guy. Uh, Antonio oh, Banderas. I skipped one. <laughs> you're good. You're good. But Antonio Banderas putting on the putting on the hat and the sword, even if it's an animated way. Uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, coming up on the 21st. Uh, big fans in this house. of uh, I'm a big adult fan of Banderas, and then my kids love the first one. So uh, we're down for that. We'll we'll take some hijinks and some swashbuckling, which is uh, – and, and as we've seen so far in this second half of the year, there's fantastic options for family, so I'm down for that. Um, I will also uh, put some attention to um, – the biopic scene is always really good and, and gets me excited and, and just to see what people can do. And Whitney Houston counts as a challenge so I want to dance with somebody coming from the uh, Harriet director Cassie Lemons uh, written by two popes Oscar nominee uh, Anthony McCartan they're gonna have to put some bravery pants on to tell that story and if you if you're gonna go there um, with just how where how tragic her story is how difficult her story is how uh, there's a you can put trigger warnings all over that movie and poster as well so I'm curious to see what they can do with that especially in a year where we have the hero worship of Elvis and some other biopics that always make it down the pike where the easy route tends to be the safe route but can you put some bravery pants on and do something dark and challenging and I, I I'm curious to see if that can that can do that and then um yeah, that that kind of and then Avatar. I, I'm I'm a James Cameron fan. I never doubt him. Uh, I've always been a fan. Um, I t- to this day will support and love the first Avatar. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I have to be that critic who goes, "Oh, it's popular now. It's not popular anymore. I have to dog on it." I I never will. I don't care if it's Dances with Wolves and Fern Gully remade into the Tropic Blue Wonder of of another world. I was there, you know, watching it two times in the big screen like everybody else. Uh, so I I don't doubt what the man can do and. I, I won't doubt him now. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I don't have a strong excitement level about this film, but I also have very little doubt about this film. He's a high floor guy for me. If And so because of that, I don't even really need to think about it. I just know my butt's going to be in the seat, and I have every expectation that I am going to see something that is going to entertain the heck out of me and wow me in some way visually and it'll do its job, and that's all I need to know. <laughs> and I'm content going into it with that knowledge. Shazam! Fury of the Gods is in that place with Black Adam to me. I'm a little more excited for this just because I really enjoyed the first Zachary Levi film and his representation of Shazam and the various family members that were part of his crew. I got Adam Brody as a superhero. like So sign me up for more of that, please. And so I'm curious how they're going to be able to tie this one in with Black Adam. Maybe he's going to show back up, I think, as a villain or something. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this all plays out. Wasn't, with the delays, wasn't this movie supposed to come out before Black Adam? 
No, oh, I think it was. Yeah. So I don't Where know. That's I mean, complicated. I wonder. I, Editing. I feel and if there is shocking a, DC and complicated. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Hand-fisted uh, fumbling things, right? They're going to fumble it. Yeah, probably. So that I mean, that's why this is again in the whole comic book movie realm. It's one of those things where when they show up on the calendar or on our screening schedules, like okay, I'm going to go see it, but I, I literally am not looking forward to any of them anymore at this point. The one that you did not mention that I did read, and I know you are just as excited about as I am, if not, or well, you are just as much as excited, and that is Babylon. Yeah, this is coming out right now, scheduled to be on Christmas Day. This is Damien Chazelle's next film. He is once again partnering with Justin Hurwitz for the music. This is going to be a period piece. It is going to have Margot Robbie, Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt, Samara Weaving, and Tobey Maguire, among others. You know my love for Chazelle. Everyone listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, unless this is your first episode, you probably know my love for Chazelle. He is three for three for me on essentially what I would call the equivalent of masterpieces that without using that word because it's Dawn sure. that I'm talking to. But masterful, okay. masterful films. He's got three yeah. masterful films, and I expect nothing less from another one. And mm-hmm. yet, even with it being a period piece, Don, and we don't know anything about the plot yet. We have no earthly idea know. what this movie is. Really? Yeah. What is it? Oh, I don't um, know anything about. Enlighten me. Well, I read a little bit where this is kind of the um, a little bit of singing in the rain level, where this is old <gasps> Hollywood, trans- well, just that really? era, like that transition okay. between talkies, uh, silent films, and talkies, where okay. the change of town, the change of the industry, and how that that period was huge and at the same time difficult. You know, so I hear that's where this film is going. So if you do. 1920s and 1930s LA. Oh my gosh, that could look gorgeous. So, and then yeah, put mm-hmm. put a pep in the step with Herbert's music. I can only imagine. So, yeah, yeah. I'm woo, yeah, jiggling in my seat for that one. Sounds great. I'm excited for it too. So awesome. Well, that wraps it up for us, man. I appreciate you jumping on to do this and kind of give the last half of a year preview for us. Before you go, where can people find your stuff? Sure. Um, if you do the search term, every movie has a lesson. You'll find uh, the website, Twitter, Facebook, and all that. Um, I published works on 25Well. Check me out there. So 25Well and do my name, Don Shanahan. You'll see my, my published frontline work there. And then, yeah, the Cinephile Hits the Fit podcast. We record and, and get a new really new episode out to everyone every week. So find that on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to go. But uh, we are far down the rankings from Feeling Film. We're just happy to be there. Oh, hush. You guys are great. And everybody should check out Cinephile Hissy Fit and add them to your podcast rotation as well. Well, that's it for this episode. Please find us on social media. Follow us there and interact. We love chatting and hearing what you think about movies. Both myself and Don are in the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group. You can find links to join that, the Discord, to follow us on Twitter. You can find links to everything in every episode of our show notes. If you are enjoying the show, please do share it with a friend. Tell someone else about it. Load it up and give it a five-star review. Help us out with that. Anything goes and anything is appreciated. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filled.